In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Can you open it together, Psalm 23? We read one verse. I'm sure you memorize the whole cha chapter. Verse 5. Psalm 23, verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Can you tell me when David said such words? When King David said these words. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Any food? No. If you remember the story of David, especially in 2 Samuel, from chapter 15 to chapter 19, his son Absalom raged a war against him and a revolution against him. In his way, when he was escaping from his son, he met many people. One of them called Barzillai. You find the story at the very end of chapter 17. So David was running with his people, and then he was afraid from his son to catch him. So he met Bardalai. Bardalai prepared a meal for him. And then he sang this song. The Lord is my shepherd. And in verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. What does it mean? Sometimes when you are serving the Lord, we are very busy and we are running. We know there is an enemy. And also, we are running out of time. So, even as a servant, I can cancel attending the liturgy because I am busy. I can cancel attending the prayer meeting because I am busy. As the Lord is telling us, not sit down. I have prepared a meal for you. And without this meal, you can't continue your journey. So, at the beginning of the day, I would like to and I urge you all to put it in your mind. We need to sit down before him to eat. We spoke yesterday about the death and how to lead others to the resurrection. But the Lord is telling me and you, sit down and rise. Without your own personal resurrection, without eating from my table, you are just running out of time and even out of strength and power. So put this in your mind before we start, that the Lord has prepared a table. He knows that you are surrounded by enemies. But when you sit down, when you sit down and eat from his table, you have the strength to carry on. Can you have the remote control, please? Today we'll share the teaching of three of our great fathers. We met St. Athanasius, our 10th Pope, with St. Cyril, our 24th Pope, and St. Irenaeus, who lived in the 2nd century. St. Irenaeus, one of the direct disciples of St. Polycarp. St. Polycarp was uh, one of the apostolic fathers. He was a disciple for 30 years of St. John the Beloved. So Irenaeus was telling us, I remember till today where he used to sit and how he used to speak. He lived with him nearly 20 years. So when we speak about our faith, 
we are seeking out what we received from the fathers. So we make this dialogue between them and we'll see what is this foundation. Our title, Resurrection is the foundation of our spiritual service or mindset. So let me ask you before we start, why was the incarnation? The church father taught us if you'd like to understand anything in the life of Christ, go back from Adam and Eve. Then you'll be able to understand the problem. Why was the incarnation? Please share with me. Why was the incarnation? The love of God. What else? Salvation. To bring man back to the bosom of God. Who read the book of Saint Essence on the Incarnation? Had a lot? Good. C.S. Lewis called it the masterpiece of the Christian faith. So I wish if you don't, did not read it till now, it's good to read the masterpiece of the Christian faith. Saint Essence in the first Eight chapters was explaining for us why was the incarnation. I will brief it in two minutes for you, but please focus on what I'm going to share with you. Saint Anthony said God created the whole creation with something he called it general grace. He created man, plants, birds, animals with general grace. What is this general grace? To be created out of nothing. So all of us share in the same general grace. We are created out of nothing. And then he added something to man. He gave him something called additional grace. This additional grace is to be created in the image and likeness of God. But to be in the image of the likeness of God, it means you are immortal, incorruptible. Immortal, incorruptible. Which means the man is the only creature who has a free will, he has a mind, and then he has a connection with God. Saint Cyril the Great in his homily on John chapter 7, verse 37, he was telling us when God breathed into the nostril of Adam, he gave him life and the Holy Spirit at the same time. So all creation was created with general grace, created out of nothing. And then man has additional grace. He is created according to the image and life of God, incorruptible and immortal. And he has the ability to share in the divine life. So what happened? God told man, because you have this status, still I'm quoting Saint Athanasius in brief. You have this additional grace, I will give you two things. A place to live in, which was a paradise, and I'll give you a command, don't eat from this tree. So to keep the additional grace, you have to obey him and to stay in this paradise. So what happened after that? Adam broke the command. He lost the immortality and incorruptibility. He became corruptible and mortal. And then he was out of paradise. If you remember, this is exactly what we say in the liturgy. Oh God, the great and the eternal, who made man in corruption, this is the creation, including the additional grace. 
and this which entered into the world by the evil is the corruptibility and mortality that we gave it. So for Saint Ignatius, man became corruptible and mortal. So we need the Savior to come to take our corruptibility. Christ came and he was like us in everything except sin. So when you see the story from the mouth of Saint Ignatius that we are corruptible and mortal, he's telling us now we need a Savior. This Savior, the main issue is to return us back the immortality and incorruptibility. So how? And this is the story of the cross and resurrection. But the idea is we were immortal, so we became, sorry, we became mortal and became corruptible. So if you go now to Saint Cyril and tell him how this is going to happen. The first thing the Lord has done in his ministry, he was baptized. We, why? Because our corruptible nature was not able to communicate with the Holy Spirit anymore. He took our corruptibility and gave us the opportunity once more to receive the Holy Spirit. Sincere the great golden, the restoration of the ancient good to receive the Holy Spirit once more. And that's why we all got it in the first day when we came to the church. In the very famous book of Saint Cyril, Lafayette, he was quoting Leviticus 23, verse 11. And he was telling us, Christ was risen on Sunday, which was in that, day, that year the feast of the first fruits. Friday was the feast of the Passover. Saturday was the beginning of the feast of the unleavened bread, the seven days. And Sunday was the feast of the first fruits. We have a special ritual in the Jewish tradition to bring a sheep, hizma, and then the high priest has to present it away as such. It reads in Leviticus chapter 23 verse 11, and he shall wave the sheep before the Lord, that you may find acceptance on the morrow after the first day the priest shall wave it. He is waving it in the form of the cross, in the fourth direction of the earth, like this. This was the act of the high priest on Sunday morning in the resurrection of the Lord. Then Saint Cyril was telling us this is what Christ did. Why? He wants to restore what, has, what we, have, we have lost in the first Adam. He wants to restore for us the immortality and incorruptibility. And then he continued. Jesus Christ is one. But like a sheaf, he is considered to contain many within him. He is so because he possesses within himself all believers in a spiritual union. So what he did on the cross, what he did in his resurrection was one, was Christ. But he was containing many. This is sincere. And then he continued. For this reason, Blessed Paul writes that we have been raised up with him and made to sit with him in heavenly places. How? Because he made us one in him and with him. Because without this unity, we receive nothing. That's why one of the biggest difference between our theology and the Western theology, Christ is not alien to us. 
He came to unite us in him. We will see it in a few minutes with a different meaning in the mind of St. Irenaeus. And then he continued. Because when he became like us, we became with him members of the same body. We have become rich by union with him through his body. Thus we say that we are all in him. And he's asking us this morning. Are not reciting the course of great father to say we are wow no. Are you a living member of this body or not? I'm sure most of you have communion this morning. And this is the real participation in the life of Christ. Our theology is not only in theory, it's a real participation. St. Cyril is a great saint in each and every Eucharist. We are like two pieces of wax fused together. There's no separation anymore. So I'm not going out of the liturgy by myself. And then he adds, finally, he says that the sheaf should be waved in the morrow of the first day of unleavened bread. That is, the, on the third day after the Passover. For Christ arose from the dead on the third day, on which he also entered into heaven, not for himself. But he took all of us with him to enter into him. He will show it to us in the next paragraph. So when our Lord Jesus Christ arose and waved himself as the first fruits of mankind, he was not in need to be back in heaven. It was our need with our human nature, which was fallen, corruptible, mortal, after the renovation in Christ to be there. Before God the Father, it was then that our very death were changed into a new life. Would you like to have a fruitful spiritual service? Receive this. The depths, very depths, were changed into a new life. That's why our liturgy today and every, every day is different. Sometimes we are just quoting it as a nice sense, go and have communion. Why you didn't have communion for a long time? It's telling us it's not as such. I'm putting myself in the sheaf, in, in Christ. I will see in a moment that if you are not in this sheaf, you receive nothing. And there's no part-time members of this sheaf, either full-time or not there at all. Would you think of what St. Cyril is teaching us? He's telling us now the ancient good has been restored. Because Christ gathered everyone in him. Let me share with you what St. Irenaeus said. I'm not adding more information for mine, but this is our reality. If we live it, we can easily preach it to others. The word anakephileion in Greek is to sum up again. Let me explain the word first, and then we'll see how St. Irenaeus was using him, it from the words of St. Paul in Ephesians 1.10. If you imagine now we have a big bag full of oranges, for example. The bag has two functions. First, collecting all the oranges inside it. And also keeping all the oranges close to each other. If you make a hole in it, they will scatter and will be out of the bag. The word anakephileion, recapitulation, is meaning to sum up again. We will collect them again, restore this back, and put them in it. 
So the recapitulation was the ultimate goal of the incarnation and the resurrection. Christ came because every one of us, Adam and Eve, were one together. We see it in Genesis chapter 2. And then one was God. We have a fellowship. The Spirit of God was dwelling in them. After sin, the Holy Spirit departed from man. And we were separated. We heard immediately that Cain killed his brother Abel. Why? Because we are separated from the source of life and separated from each other. Till after the fall, man existed, but was dead. So now, are we existing or alive in him? Saint Irenaeus is telling us that this is the sum up. He came to sum up everyone. But before to sum up them, Christ came to raise us from the dead. He is not going to sum up dead people. He came to make them all alive. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, those which are in heaven and which are on earth. Gather together. It's the anachronism to sum up again. The separation is not anymore there. So Saint Athanasius showed us that corruptibility and mortality make us separate from each other and from the source of life. Saint Cyril said, Christ came to make us one sheep, Hizma, Wahda, to present us before the Father. Being in this sheep became the very depths of the new life. That's why we are not talking about the theory or the theology of resurrection. It's the life in him. That's why Saint Irenaeus put it in these words. The Logos became a man, recapitulating all things in himself. He takes the primacy to himself, and by making himself the head of the church, he will draw all things to himself at the appointed time. But he has no dead members in his body. First, he came, took our mortality, our corruptibility, our death, and conquered death. And now everyone wants to serve, he has to understand this new life, to live it, and then to convey it. When you are just introducing information to people, and maybe it's amazing knowledge, and needed knowledge, but without life, it's worthless. He came to recapitulate all things and everyone and himself. Do you see yourself in this body? Do you see yourself in this power of this body or not? When we think of the teaching of our church fathers, we are not thinking that they were rich to think. No, they were rich to live. And they introduced to us what they lived. What did you live this liturgy? What did you receive in this morning? What did you receive in the letters you attended yesterday or the day before? It's telling me he came to recapitulate everyone. So now the restoration has been done, but are we restored? Here's the question. Above all these things, he's telling us it's not a theory. We can hear nearly the same thing in any other place. 
But here in our Coptic church, we hear it and we see it and we interact with it. From where? Open with me, please. Hebrews chapter 9. If you have the New King James Version, we'll find this like the heavenly sanctuary. The church father is telling us this sanctuary, this place, is the manifestation of this heavenly sanctuary. We are not talking about something to come in the future, but it's something present every day on the altar in front of us. Let me read with you from verse 11. But Christ came as a high priest of the good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, his body, not made with hands that is not of this creation, not with the blood of goods and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all. And he will find people arguing, once for all, 2,000 years ago, no. Once for all, forever. As we said yesterday, all the acts of Christ was eternal in the economy of God, revealed in time, and remained eternal. Having obtained eternal redemption. And the Arabic translation of this verse is wrong, so please correct it. Having obtained eternal for if the blood of bulls, goats, and ashes of heifers, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purification of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offered himself without spot to God? And this is every liturgy. In reality, we have every day a manifestation of what is going on in heaven. And he adds in the same chapter from verse 23. Therefore, it was necessary that the copies of the things in the heaven should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. So what Christ did was in the past, 2,000 years ago? No. For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands which are covers of the true, but into heaven itself now, to appear in the presence of God for us. He is an intercessor now for us. And in each liturgy, you are uniting himself with him who is present now in the altar, in his real body and his real blood. Would you like to have a powerful risen ministry? Believe it and enjoy it and make it a target in your mind. Encourage those whom you serve by all means to be in this state. Seeing and accepting the manifestation of the divine altar, the heavenly altar which is in front of us at all times. That's why he was adding, not that he should offer himself often. That's why you are not repeating the liturgy or the Eucharist. It's one eternal sacrifice. It's not extended. Extended it means in time. Eternal it means there is no time. It's one eternal sacrifice. St. John Christophe, in his homily, I think homily 50, in the Gospel of St. Matthew, was telling us something very amazing. He said, every time when we come to church, 
once the officiator with a priest or a bishop coming and we come as person from home something amazingly is happening we are out of time back to the upper room all of us standing before christ we hear the voice of the priest but we are standing before christ he is sanctifying by himself the, the gifts and in the end of the liturgy he is stretching out his hand and giving every one of us his body and his blood this is out of time it's eternity and it is not once for all and forever that's why he is saying here enter the most holy place every year not like the high priest who entered the holy place every year with a blood of another he went with his own blood once for all forever and it became a heavenly altar and now we have the manifestation here when we speak about the eucharist we are not talking about a theory or theology we are talking about the life of the church Tertullian said the christians made the eucharist and the eucharist is making the christians this is the life of the church the whole gathering in the church was for the eucharist christ is among us now in his body and his blood to, to make us recapitulated once more then ask yourself are you recapitulated in your family in your church with your neighbors with everyone around you or still the separation there now it's a practical denial of what he has done it's not a ritual to come and have communion it's either you are in the sheep or you are not in the sheep if you are in the sheep you receive everything if you are not in it you will not be able to receive anything that's why the church in the journey in the 50 days telling us one thing if you are in the sheep in the first week Jesus came to the upper room and the doors were shut. Thomas was not there. He was missing to be in the sheep. He came and told, Peace be with you all. Thomas said, No. Unless I will see him, no peace in my life. So how many times we missed peace because we were out of the sheep. We were not accepting to be there. He said after that, he prayed in the physical silence and told them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Whoever you forgive their sins are forgiven. Do you miss the forgiveness? You are out of the sheep. Do you miss offering forgiveness to your brother and sister? You are out of the sheep again. Again, I'm not putting a burden in your conscience. I'm telling you it's time to release your conscience from the burden already there. You can't live in a denial. You can't live believing that the time will come when I will do it. Remember, postponed obedience is a current disobedience and partial obedience is total disobedience let me read with you one verse second first peter chapter 2 first peter chapter 2 and verse 7 Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. You are now comparing those who believe. You should say those who disbelieve. No. 
Therefore, to you who believe he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, who are disobedient, the stone which the builder rejected has become the chief cornerstone. There is no compromise with the obedience. If I'm choosing to disobey, he is considering me in this verse as a non-believer. So are we aware that we need to choose full obedience? It will never mean that I'm going to be sinless, but my decision to be obedient is irrevocable. This is what St. Peter is telling us. Those who have been raised with Christ, they choose obedience. As we discussed yesterday, he obeyed to the death, even to the death of the cross. And this is my choice. Why my children are not obedient? Because I am not obedient yet. They can see obedience in my life. He's telling us it's a time for resurrection, a personal resurrection, a time of a personal recapitulation. I will never accept to be disconnected from any member of the body by choice. When I choose this full obedience in Him. That's why let me share with you a few applications. You need to be at home. Would you like to have a successful ministry, risen ministry, to, to see that the foundation of your life is resurrection? For how long you can spend the day or days not talking to your wife or to your mother or your sister or whoever it is? If this unity is not there, I'm telling him I'm not recapitulated to the body. I'm not in the sheep yet. I'm rejecting to be presented before the Father now, as he said in Hebrews 9:24. Unity in my service. It's very easy that the devil can attack any church with disunity, with troubles. Do you know why? Open with me Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. You know the story, but let me share with you a few verses. Jesus, as usual, was casting out demons, and then he started to accuse him. And here is the words of the Lord, starting from verse 23. So he called them to himself and said to them in parable, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he can't stand, but has an end. Do you know what that means? Satan has a virtue, if you can call it a virtue. He is not divided. That's why the biggest attack against our homes, our churches is to divide us. Because, you know, he is standing because of one thing. He is united. And attacking every home, every church, every community by divisions. Can we accept that we have to be aware that this is the real battle against every community? 
That's why Christ came to unite us. Not in theory, but in reality. If it's considered, if we can call it a virtue for the kingdom of darkness, we are not divided. That's why he is trying to divide every single thing and everyone in the same time. No one can enter a strongman's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strongman and he, then he will plunder his house and is telling us if the devil is aware of his point of strength of maybe his only point of strength that his kingdom is still standing we as the sons and daughters of light are we aware of the meaning of this unity or still what is in my mind is in my mind I'm not going to talk to my brother or my sister or whoever it is for life but I am a servant and I'm coming to church and having communion because always he is or she is wrong I never did a mistake and then again he's telling us he humbled himself to what? to the point of this this of the cross if we have a problem in, in our service, in our home, it's a call for all of us to repent and to reconcile, to recapitulate it once more in the body of Christ. Receiving all what belongs to the body. If you are in this power of redirection, we are able to receive everything. St. Cyril the Great said the same. He said, for example, in the Transfiguration, Jesus took only three of his disciples. He said, they were taking our humanity to see his glory. We have seen his glory in James, John, and Peter. When he told Thomas, now blessed are those who believe without seeing. He received it for all of us as well. If you are in this unity, in this shield, recapitulated in Christ, then every gift has been given to the body is for us all. And then we can offer something real. Offering all what belongs to the body, to every member in the whole body. That's why when we serve, what are you going to offer? Definitely you can have time and you are offering this time to those whom you serve. But this is the maximum you can offer. But here is the reality. Offer them a real membership of the body of Christ. If you believe it, and if you live it, you'll find people wanting to join your group or your meeting or whatever you serve. And finally, enjoying every single gift received by every member. Why you have jealousy amongst us? Because I did not pass my exam, but my friend passed his exam. Is it a body? His success is my success. And even my failure is his failure. If you are one sheep, if you are living in this unity, if you believe that we have received a restoration of our immortality and incorruptibility, but it's very hard that after all what he did, I'm a church goer not a, a body member anymore. We are encouraging each other to find out, to search, to examine our hearts, our minds. Did, did I really receive the restoration? Did I really accept to be in this sheath day and night? 
Do I know that the devil wants to break the unity of my family, the unity of my community, my church? How do you perceive it? There's a very famous English writer who was traveling one day to Australia and then it was a long journey and he had been offered food many times because it was quite a long journey. And the lady was sitting beside him. She was not eating or refusing to eat every time. So he perceived that she is fasting. And he asked her, are you fasting? She said, yes. So that I am also Christian and I am fast. But I am not Christian. I am a devil worshiper. So he said, why are you fasting? She told him, because we are fasting to break the unity of the Christian families. Believe it or not. The guy was amazed, but he was telling us how the devil knows exactly what he is doing. And we should be aware more. If you remember when the Lord was saying, but the sons of this, the sons of light are not aware. The sons of this generation are more wise than the sons of the light. We need to stop certain language in our homes, even unfortunately as servants. There is no way we have to be divorced. There is no way I have to leave the house. Who said so? Are you restored or not? And then we all coming to have the communion without any consideration. It's telling us it's time to come to our senses. Remember that because of the sin of one person, a hand son of Carmen, the Israelites, defeat in only one battle in the whole book of Joshua. So it's time to believe that your repentance, your unit, union once more with the body, the whole body, including the head, will restore things in the church. My sin and your sin is affecting everybody, in your home, in your church, wherever you go. That's why we say the resurrection is the foundation of our spiritual growth. It means a personal present life. Ask yourself, you are serving the church. What was your last time when you confessed? I am not used to confess regularly because once a year is enough. Is it really enough? And then when I go, I can't find any words to tell it to Abuna. It's a problem. If you are not aware of your sin, if you are not conscious of the most holy one, then there is a serious problem. Remember St. Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15, he said, and all, all of us say it with him in the concluding prayer of the Akbar, the sinners of whom I am, the chief. Then Elder Saphroni was asking, how come St. Paul was saying that he is the chief sinner? Because in reality, every one of us, if you think of yourself, to compare yourself with anyone else, I'm sure you'll find one thing you can make it better than the other. So how come St. Paul sees himself the chief sinner? It was only in one condition. When he gazed his eyes, in the most holy one. I'm not looking to anyone on earth. I see myself a chief sinner. And then we can say, but St. Paul saw the Lord as he spoke yesterday, and he had a great privilege to spend three years with him in Arabia, as he said in Galatians. Yes, 
But let me encourage you more. Saint Paul himself was growing in the grace of God, growing in being in the shield. In Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse twenty-three, said, "I am better than all." He was pointing towards the apostles. Well, this was written nearly eight years before his martyrdom. Five years later, he wrote Ephesians. He said in verse. Chapter 8, verse 8, 3, verse 8, sorry. I am the least among the saints. Instead of being better than all, I am the least among the saints. And just before his martyrdom, I am the chief sinner. So he's encouraging us to grow. The last word St. Peter said in 2nd Peter chapter 3, verse 18, and he said it's just a few weeks before his martyrdom, he was telling us one thing. Grow in the grace of, of God and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grow. Those who are risen has grown. Let me finish with one thing. This is St. Gregory's Theologian, St. Athanasius, and St. Cyril. In chapter 1, in Genesis verse 26, the Lord said, Let us make man according to our image and likeness. Verse 27, and God made man according to his image alone. Why? All the church fathers said that God created Adam in his image, giving him the potential to grow in participation with his grace to reach the likeness. But what happened is he lost even, or not lost, the image has been distorted. So when Christ came, he restored the distorted image for us and give us the power to seek his likeness. That's why St. Paul says in Romans 8:29, to conform to the image of his son. This is our calling, to conform to the image of his son. Yes, resurrection is very true, it's very real, but it's a life and a personal life. I can see myself restored in immortality, in incorruptibility, able to reunite myself in this sheave, to receive everything in this sheave, which is Christ himself. May the glory of Lord Jesus Christ be with you from now and forever and ever. Amen.